0: welcome everybody to another edition of suave talk fueled by turbo this episode is brought to you by dyer's top rods and turbo speed weeks 2020 is officially over it's called sped weeks it's in the past thoughts on 2020 speed weeks what comes to mind bud
1: um definitely mccready jimmy owens Sheppy, mark whitener Jonathan davenport everybody that won a race you know that's kind of what that's what I look for in racing is the people that win and those guys all were able to go down there and pick up wins. So it was, a, you know, it was a normal speed week for the most part, but there was a lot of confrontational, you know, things with the Whitener Overton, Whitener JD, and then uh, Dennis getting tossed obviously from the Outlaw race, there was a lot of, uh, you know, kind of side things going on other than the actual racing itself.
0: Yeah, and we talked to the Mac Daddy, Dale McDowell, in the Speed Weeks Minute, and we asked him, like, what was his stance on the ruling of your dad, Dennis Herb Jr.? So I'm going to put you on the hot seat. What's your thoughts on that?
1: I think the Outlaws did the right thing by, you know, enforcing their rules. That's a problem a lot of series and, um, you know, racetracks, they have these issues where they have all these rules, but they don't want to enforce them because they're afraid to step on the wrong toes and things like that. It just, it sucks because it couldn't happen to a worse person, my dad, obviously you know, he, he didn't, uh, he's the one guy that you don't want to see something like that happen to, but at the same time, if they let it slide and he doesn't get, you know, penalized for not going to the tech area, if it was a guy that was more controversial or, you know, had a little bit more limelight, you know, it could be a bigger deal if it was JD, Sheppy, uh, Madden, Scott, someone like that. So I believe that they did the right thing by putting their foot down. It's just a sucky situation for Schumann, the outlaws um because they had to be the ones to you know basically they had to be the dicks in the situation, and that never it always sucks to do that, but yeah, uh, I guess kudos to them for doing it um I think if you ask anybody that was there that night though Dennis won the race um there was no question he had the best car he did everything right. It's just some things are you know a little bit out of your hand, and it sucks that you know something like a a post-race tech can can change, you know, that guy's livelihood that day. He went from making ten thousand dollars to running thirtieth. Eating no ramen, right? Eating ramen. He literally—that's the definition of being in the penthouse to the shit house. <laughs>
0: I had the quote of the night was when they were, you know, making the decision. It was like two hours after the feature got over and Brian Shirley came up to me and was asking about, it. I'm like, yeah, he didn't go to tech. I was saying, and he's like, well, did he cross the scales? And I said, yeah, I'm pretty sure. And he's like, well, just give him the win. So that, that was a uh, pretty funny. And yeah, like you said, if it was Brandon Shepard or Scott Bloomquist, there would be people with pitchforks at the world of outlaws trail, but people wanted to see Dennis Herb junior win. That was heartbreak hotel.
1: Yeah, it sucks. But I mean, that's the thing you got to, you have to enforce it. This way, whether it's your best buddy, your mom, your dad, your sister, whatever. So, it's uh, you know it's it's a tough tough situation, and I don't want to have to make those decisions, and a lot of people don't. And that is one thing I will give a shout out to Casey Schumann. He is he's kind of come into this deal as a sprint car guy or whatever, but I think it's good because he has no favoritism towards this guy or the next guy or whatever. So he's like, look, man, this is the rules. This is how I have to do. It. And anybody talk to him will tell you like. He's pretty like mellow, laid back. I think he's a really good fit for you know the job he's in and things like that. So um, good job, Schumann. I guess for you know making the decision, and standing by it, and not letting anything else uh, you know kind of change your opinion or your your mind on what you wanted to do there.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of Casey Schumann, but I'm a bigger fan of uh, Brooke Schumann. Shout out to her. Um, an
1: one an thing bigger that fan of... what'd you Sawyer's say? My fan. Oh yeah, I'm you an even bigger lawyer. Sawyer's my biggest fan. I'm her biggest fan. Shout out Sawyer Schumann.
0: Yeah, and she's seen about a million races, and she's like, what, two or three?
1: Yeah, two and three quarter, I think.
0: Yeah, and uh, what impressed me the most, obviously, Brandon Shepard won five races, but I'm pretty impressed with the start with, you know, Team Act, Tim McCready. He had a couple wins there during speed weeks, and I feel like there was like four or five races in a row where he started on the front row. I think that team's going to be dialed in for 2020.
1: Yeah, McCready's definitely got good stuff. When you can qualify on the pole like almost every night and, you know, be on the front row of a heat race, you it's hard to, you know, you're putting yourself in the best position to win those features because that's – J.D. said it in his uh, little column that they have on Dirt on Dirt right now. You know, he was kind of saying, like, man, it's hard to bury yourself past the third row or fourth row and win a feature. And if McCready can set quick time by two tenths and win his heat race every night and start in the first two rows, I mean, he's he's got the best chance to win every night. So. He definitely I think kinda of come out with a bang and people were like, Whoa, look at this, you know what I mean? He's got it figured out. And then also, uh, Jimmy Owens did too. I mean, Jimmy Owens at the end of end of the week at Volusia was lights out. He won a race on the cushion, he won a race dead through the middle. And then the last night he was all over the place after it rubbered and they rewatered the racetrack. The first lap he went from second to tenth and then drove back the lead like it was nothing. So um, when Jimmy Owens is one of my buddies, he said, uh, when Jimmy Owens is winning races on the cushion, that's when we all need to be worried because that's not really his cup of tea. So, um, yeah, it was, a, uh, you know, them three guys all come out, Sheppy too. I mean, Sheppy is just, Sheppy is, He I mean, he is that good. He has just evolved into one of the best race car drivers. You know, I'd say top four of all time. I mean, I'm going to go there. He just, he gets it. He makes good decisions. And that's what I told somebody when i was at volusia i got to watch two nights there before i raced that other car and i was like man if you just watch sheppy he doesn't he just doesn't put himself in bad position he you know that when he spun out at east bay with bronson when they got together that was like such a rarity you never see sheppy spun out or crashed or in the fence or you know doing things that his car doesn't need to do he does just enough to put himself in the right position but never pushes his stuff to the edge and you know till he really really has to like at fairberry or you know the last lap of that feature when Dennis won you know he can tell the last three laps he drove that car to its full potential but he doesn't he doesn't do it out of line and he doesn't put himself in bad position so you know for Chevy to go down there and win three races at East Bay and two one and a half at Belusha however you want to call it it was a it's not a surprise man he is he has got it figured out and it I mean he's honestly probably one of the best people to learn from and I try to watch him and I think everybody should man the guy has got you know he's in the best car that you could be in, and all the best people, and his team's good. But he he does a lot behind the steering wheel, and he uh, you know, if uh, as long as he keeps it going, I don't see how he uh, you know, how you're gonna slow him down. I guess the only thing you can do is, you know, just get equally as good as him.
0: Yeah, he only has eight wins here through February, and he can't win in the B5 allegedly. So he's doing pretty well here in 2020 to start off this season. This is a crazy thing. So I'm scrolling through Twitter, you know, and this tweet comes up up two days ago from Tyler Millwood, and I'm just gonna give you some stats here. His speed week's 2020 recap: tire bill six thousand dollars, fuel bill three thousand, parts bill five thousand, steak on a stick and milkshakes. Which I know you're a big fan of steak on a stick. Seven hundred beer, beer beer bill only three hundred and forty-seven. That's kind of weak, I think. Entry fees six sixty. Pitt passes $1,200 in his total income and says, see you in 2021, Florida. You were obviously at all of speed weeks. How accurate is one week of speed weeks? Cause he, I guess he raced golden isle. So he raced eight nights.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it is that expensive. Like if you don't come out of speed, Weeks and win a race or two, or, you know, have, basically when I was racing, if I didn't make twenty thousand when I went down there, I wasn't breaking even for the most part, you know, and that was that was running everything. Like that he's only ran one week of evolution, You know, a lot of that you can you know, you have one good night there where you run third at evolution you make two or three thousand dollars, that's huge. I mean, that's a win because you're racing sixty to seventy cars that are just I mean, good, good cars. You're racing the same field of cars you race at Eldora, Knoxville, Wheatland and it's hard to it's hard to come out of speed week. There's only so much money that can be made down there. So really if you were to check the numbers, there's probably only six or seven guys that made twenty twenty thousand I think while they were down there. So I mean that's a very accurate representation of what it is. And, you know, that's where a guy like Mark Whitener has kinda of figured out he goes to North Florida and sneaks a win in there and that's five thousand. Well shoot, he's ahead of half them guys that raced all week in volusia that are, you know, barely making the race, starting at the tail of the features. So you got to, if you go down there, you got to do it one or two ways. You got to three ways. You got to go down there and um, just not expect anything in return and treat it as a vacation. Or you got to go down there like, um, you know, Big Daddy and the blue corporate one truck and plan on winning every race you go to because you're going to spend a lot of money. You're going to test. You're going to burn up a lot of stuff. Or you go down there and you just got to be realistic and, you know, kind of say, hey, if I'm not racing for points and this isn't my night, you sit that night out at Volusia when it's raining and it might be, you know, the fastest, roughest racetrack ever. Or you just, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta race as smart as you can, unless you've just got unlimited, unlimited budget to race with. And, um, the Millwood tweet is a very, very accurate tweet for speed weeks. And that's something that a lot of fans and people, you know, they don't really realize when they say, Oh, why isn't this guy racing here? or Why did this guy go to East Bay and not this way? Or, Hey Tyler, how come y'all don't bring the one car to Volusia? Well, you know, it's a, uh, you gotta. We race a hundred times a year, and you can easily put yourself out, um, you know, a good bit of your budget by racing that extra week at Volusia or going to East Bay when you really shouldn't be going there. So, people, uh, people don't understand the expenses of racing, and that's a great tweet, kind of, to just put it in perspective. That's one week of racing, and if you add all that up, that's how much money that guy spent in one week. And um, unless he's got a, a duplicate twin of himself, there's nobody named tyler millwood that's making money for tyler millwood while he's racing so you know it's a uh, i'm glad they tweeted that and i'm glad a lot of people have seen it because it, it's just the truth man racing is not a cheap sport it's not for the faint of heart and uh we all know that going into it but at the same time uh you know we all have to make our best decisions to keep on racing you know i want to be racing long long down the road so um anybody that you know, thinks that we should be at a race or the next guy, you know, they want to see Scott Bloomquist at this race or this guy at this race. Hey, shoot him some money. Money goes a long ways. It'll get you anything in the world.
0: Yeah. And I just looked it up. Six drivers made over 20 grand. That was counting t- Kyle Bronson, but, uh, he had uh, a lot of things go wrong. So I don't think he left speed weeks. He, he was fast all speed Weeks, So that's for sure.
1: Kyle was really fast, but that's the thing. He lost a car. He lost the motor yeah. Two motors, I believe well, yeah. two motors. So, um, anybody that's done the math on a motor or a car, he's, uh, the 26,000 that Kyle Bronson made down there, uh, it didn't make it very far past, uh, past his trip. So yes, uh, speed weeks can be very expensive. It can be very fun, but it is, uh, probably one of my favorite weeks, two, three weeks of racing. So, um, hopefully everything will line out to where I can run all 15, 16 races there. Like I did, uh, the first couple of times I went
0: moving along here it's time for who's berkey of the week tyler herb basically who's back of the week who's your berkey of the week we'll let you go first
1: oh um, i'm gonna say my berkey of the week is jimmy owens man when jimmy owens is winning he went in pairs like when i used to watch him you know five six seven eight years ago I mean, like he'd get on a hot streak and he'd win three or four in a row and then he'd go here and he would win two or three in a row and um it's just i think when jimmy owens gets going like that man he's so hard to beat and a guy that can win 50 or 60 modified races in one year, you know, back before he started racing late models is a guy that, you know, he's like a routine. He gets in a rhythm and once he's in a rhythm, he can't stop him. So Jimmy Owens, those last three nights at Volusia, you know, he opened a lot of people's eyes and he was actually really good at East Bay and stuff too. He could qualify and heat race and everything like that. He just was missing a little bit in the feature, but, um, in the past, he's the past two or three years, he just hasn't been that spot on at East Bay and Brunswick. But, uh, him to go to Volusia and win like that I think that's you know we should all kind of be aware that he's uh he's definitely going to be in contention but I mean in the same sense Jimmy Owens is good at big racetracks Charlotte Knoxville there Eldora um, when there's a big racetrack where you got to keep a lot of speed but you know stay smooth and straight and things like that he's just he's got it figured out and um, you can't take anything away from him he uh he knows how to drive on a big fast racetrack and win in pairs so he's won Knoxville two years in a row he's won Volusia you know those three times he wins at Charlotte like when he wins at big racetracks he does it multiple times so that's my rookie of the week
0: yeah and obviously speed weeks is only two weeks but it's a lot of racing and when stuff happens at like Golden Isles and East Bay you kind of forget what happened there so basically he's the hottest hottest topic right now going into the rest of the season so do you think you know does speed weeks carry over to having a good year or is it such a long season and a long grind that it maybe sometimes it doesn't matter what you do in Florida.
1: Uh, it definitely has a, an input on how your year goes. I don't think it's the determinant because like McCready last year, he didn't have a good three weeks, End up running second in points and, you know, he had a good year. But like this year, if you were going to start right now and you say, is McCready going to have a better year this year or last year, do you think he would have a better year? Obviously you're going to say this year, McCready. Yeah, gonna by far you're thinking
0: to think that by far.
1: Is the, the sky's the limit. And it just, it goes for everybody. Last year when JD left Florida, he was leading the points. He was on it. And right now you're like, man, this JD's human. He's, you know, he might not just kill everybody like he did last year. So I think it definitely has a huge input on how your year can go. But at the same sense, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of bad luck that can go into your speed weeks and things like that. You just have to look at a guy that showed speed and you know, that can be the determinant. Just because they didn't get the wins and things like that doesn't mean that they're not going to be that fast. Like Kyle Bronson, I think, had probably his best speed weeks ever. You know, he just had some crashes and things like that. So I think that that shows he's going to have one of his best years ever. That's that's what I think. Just from watching him in Florida, I mean, I know it's his home tracks and stuff, but he was just on it every night at every track he went to. He ran really, really well. So um, I think it does have a determinant on what you can do. Um, maybe your mentality or whatever might, you know, might may might not affect you, but I know that if I leave speed weeks and I felt like I had a fast car, it gives me the confidence to know, hey, we're gonna have a good year. And uh, I yeah, I think 100%, it does have a determinant on how your year goes.
0: Yeah, and let's just hope that you and uh, Bronson don't get into it at Tri City. Even though it was great for reviews at Dirt on Dirt. that was a great night. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, Kyle's still my buddy. I love you, buddy.
0: My Berkey of the week is the off season, and people want to say that like December and January. But now you have like the Dryden Extreme Series. You race in you race in Australia. People race in Arizona. Then you have Florida. I think March and April is turning into the new off season. So that's why it's my Berkey of the week. You get a lot of rainouts. You know, you have a couple of weeks off for the national tours where you can maybe go race at Modoc and stuff like that. But I think the off season is officially the Berkey of the week, just because I think the springtime is when it's less busy now for racers
1: i do agree march uh that's like right after february you know there's really not a whole lot of racing i guess unless you live in the south and it's uh, a lot of people like that did go to speed weeks in arizona they're like man now we can chillax we're done like we got you know a month or so before farmer city to me was always like the first race back now that they have you know Outlaws have smoky Mountain things like that but like farmer city Brownstown to me after speed weeks was always our first week back, which is end of March. So it's a, uh, it's our only true downtime, I guess. But if you're a diehard racer, you could go race anywhere this weekend, um, down in South Carolina, Georgia. I think Arizona has some races I saw on the master schedule. So this is uh for me, and I'd say 85% of the country, this is our true off season because you just get so amped up for Florida and Arizona. that you know you're working harder over the winter than you would right now because right now our cars are ready our rigs are ready we're just kind of rebuilding a little bit and getting going so I uh yeah this is uh this is the only sport that has no off I guess I was sitting there eating lunch yesterday and I was watching uh ESPN and they were talking about NFL football and the Saints and everything and Randall was like dude they just played the Super Bowl like why are we talking about football I'm like dude it's just the way things are like it's non-stop anymore
0: yeah and they have the draft coming up, and then they have training camp. It's less, you know, every sport, I think, is just 365 now. But I think the fans appreciate that. I know, And, and you, as you, as drivers, I always compare it to golf. Golf, there's only, like, they only have three weeks off. You don't have to go, you know, go enter those early season, you know, tournaments that are, you know, in the throughout the world. So racing, as drivers, you can take your time off. But like you said, 85% of them take off you know at this time to get ready for the grunt of the season or it could be like shannon bab who we had on the sh- who have who's our guest on the show this week he stops at the dome and he doesn't race until the line night 100 guys like that can you know pick and choose
1: yeah bab bab's got his own deal he he's got the zoo he hunts he's a you know he races such a weird schedule he doesn't race at the end of the year then he goes to the dome then you don't see him again for four months so he's kind of bab has got his own schedule, but I think that's what, you know, makes him work, and that's his element, so he's definitely one guy that's got figure it figured out, I guess.
0: And here is our guest, Shannon Bab at the Gateway Dirt Nationals. Joining us now on the Integra Shocks and Springs Hotline is the Moequa Missile, Shannon Bab Turbo, basically, this is your childhood hero. This is your Kevin Weaver.
2: Yeah, I love Bab. When I was, the first uh, Eldora trip I ever went, I know he doesn't remember, but I bought a the shirt, I've said it like a million times, the shirt where he was on three wheels in the yellow and red car, and it's like huh. the Moequa missile. He signed it, and I worked school, like, a lot. So, <laughs> Bab was one of my heroes. It's crazy. now. I always tell him, like, you realize, like, I used to, like, watch it. I mean, I loved it. Like, Bab was the man. He was always gassing on it, just kind of crazy. And now he's, like, they say he's one of the older dudes, and, he, you know, I mean? he's here at the Dome, knocks spoiler off, sets quick time and hot laps, wins <clears throat> hot laps, that paid big, then goes unqualified and sets quick time again. Like, he's just – Probably one of the most exciting race car drivers I've ever seen. I mean,
0: how about that? Giving you a nice compliment, Shane, and that's got to be you know make you feel oh, p- yeah. pumped up. Hey,
3: that that's pretty cool. It really is. You know, that's what this is all about is is the fans and the kids. And I was the same way. You know, I, I used to walk through the pits and I watched Charlie Schwartz race and Bloomquist and and Bob Pierce. I, I had a lot of heroes too, and I was a little guy and. My dad always told me, hey, listen, there's always going to be somebody bigger and better than you that's going to replace you, so you got, you got to work hard every day, because these kids are coming up, and, and Tyler and those guys, they are showing us that they can do it, too.
0: Quick question is, like, do you see a little bit of uh, Shane, young Shane and Babb and Tyler Herb? Because you know, I feel like you guys both get up on the wheel. And- you know,
3: I, I, I do know that these kids, when they sit there and they watch this racing, and, and just like Josh Richards, he watched so much racing that when he did come out and drive, he was a little sharper than the guys that was actually behind the wheels at the time, you know, and... And I do see uh, these guys, they've learned a lot. I mean, uh, sometimes we have a lot of bad habits and a lot of stuff that we just need to forget. And these guys are fresh and they don't have the bad habits. You know, they just, they come out and they know how to run hard, run smooth and slow down if they need to. Yeah, I see a
2: lot of that. The main thing is probably is, like, I never ran a Rayburn. I never, You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, get, I got to skip all the learning curves. Like, I'm racing the cars that you're racing now. Exactly. Like you and Scott and Billy, you've had to adapt, like, four different times to all yeah. different cars. Yeah. You know, it's a big difference. So Yeah. Maybe yeah. that helps, too.
3: We were telling stories last night. You know, the one of the first ra- late models I ran was a, was a Lee Spring Rayburn car, fiberglass Lee Springs. Then I ran, you know, four-bar cars, and we were wearing uh, swing arms for 10 years. And then uh you know got basically back into the four bar stuff again. So man, it's in it's it is in your head and every now and then you can pull something from that and use it, but most of it you want to try to forget about it, you right, know. Right, I believe it.
0: And you've raced for a long time. And how's it feel that you're like the most talked about driver here at the Gateway Dirt Nationals? I knew you grew up racing Macon. This is a different animal, but just Every year on Twitter, yeah. you're the most talked about either knocking the spoiler down and, you know, putting on a show. That's going to make you feel pretty good, you know, yeah. considering that you're towards, you know, towards the more of your end of your career.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely is an honor to have, you know, all the fans that support you. It, it's a cool deal. I've always, um, you know, I've always loved these little racetracks like Highland, Belleville, Macon. And this this right here is cool. I mean, I'm glad that this I could be a part of this before I quit racing, you know, it's something that uh, a lot of people never had the chance to do so it, it you know to be come here and be fast that's even better you know
0: speaking of making you grew up on this fifth mile the world's fastest yeah. fifth mile yeah, yeah. you know just take us through all those years racing there you know trying to get to the level you are today
3: yeah. you know uh at making it, it goes through all the transitions it starts out muddy and gets hooked up and then it gets slick as glass so uh everything's just kind of scaled down there you know the racetrack scaled down but uh, it races the same as a big track does you kind of you'd have to do the same things as far as setting your car up and and uh, adjusting your driving style through the night but it teaches you how to drive in traffic and uh and race close quarters and uh, take care of your equipment but um when you did when you like for me I raced there quite a bit and then when I did start traveling I wanted to go to all these new racetracks and see new places and stuff and Man, I tell you what, I I pulled out on like Florence Speedway for the first time. I'm like, damn, this thing's a highway, you know. You know it, it was definitely tough, um, but you know, I, I loved it. I love going all these new tracks. I think the, the more you can race with the better guys, and and you can start getting to their level and beat them. That's that's the only way you're ever
0: going to improve yourself. What does the Herald and Review 100 mean to making Speedway? That's like one, I think it's the top race on the summer nationals.
3: It is. You know, when I was. Uh, when I was little helping my dad and you know just everybody in that area that was the big race you know that was the world 100 for you know Illinois so you know everybody would take the whole week off work and prepare their stuff for that race and uh, just trying to make that race for the long time was a was a challenge you know it was, it was definitely tough but um, it, it's cool I mean the fans have always supported it and uh, it's always been a race you don't want to miss.
2: So since you were like a, I know you're saying you're all small tracks and you like going to new places so now that you're you know, past your, I guess, you know, my stage in yeah. racing where I want to go everywhere, see everything, you're not a Speed Weeks person. Like, you just – do you not like Florida anymore? Because, like, for me, that's, like, <laughs> awesome. You just gas on it. It's hot. Yeah. Like, how? I mean, when are you ever going to go back to Speed Weeks or you just gave you up know, on Speed Weeks or what?
3: You know, I um, I don't know. I, I guess I like my off season so much. Uh, when I drove for the Moyers, he was all about Speed Weeks, and I loved Speed Weeks. But, you know, I I carried my helmet bag in there, and you know, and those guys – covered the bills and right. you know and and i made a little money doing it but i didn't have the worries about how i was going to pay for a new rear clip or you know fix my engines when i left there buy pay for the tires and and that's what i do now so i have to be a little bit more cautious on where i race and how i'm going to spend my sponsor money and you know it's this racing's tough because you know like you said you you've only got so much you know people that are helping you so you have to make it spread out through the whole the whole season
2: okay so I mean, I, I definitely understand that. I've, I can feel you on every part of that. What about, like, okay, give me your best year, Summer Nationals. It doesn't have to be wins, but, yeah. like, give me a year where you were like, this is the best Summer Nationals. Oh, yeah. Wait, Not about one When you won, like, the final eight 12. I don't even Yeah, know I mean, I know that won. they had the money bonuses back then and all them different things, but, yeah. like, what year to you was like, you were like, this is it. Like, if you're looking back now, this was your best year racing Summer Nationals. Oh,
3: you know, 05, the 4 5 6 Time was was my strongest point, but 05 was was awesome. I think we won like 25 races that that whole year, but we won 15 summer nationals, like six or seven in a row. Right,
2: right. right. And
3: um, those cars were just fast. I mean, they were you know at that time, um, you know we we're lining up against anybody, and, and we knew we could win. I mean, we worked on them. We've you know we're just like we do now, but uh, I felt like we, I definitely felt like we had advantage as as we went through the race, and even in the long races everywhere we went. They, they got better. They didn't get worse, you know. So,
2: who were you running up and down the road with at this point? 04, 05, 06.
3: You know, uh, like who
2: was your traveling? Because I know, yeah, like now you go you go to the house and it's like, Bab might show up. Oh, he's here. Oh, man. yeah, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. you're like a comer and a goer. You're not yeah. like at the Walmart camped out a lot. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. So, like, back then you had to be running around more because you're racing more. Oh, yeah, so. you know, we
3: were, we were racing against O'Neill, you know, Don mm-hmm. O'Neill and um, Old Man English, you know, Terry English. He was at a lot of them. Uh, Big Billy was at all of them. Little Billy hadn't started racing yet, but um, heck, I think Patrick Shelter—he was, you know, yeah, he was—he yeah. was my buddy. He hung out at all the WalMarts and after the races and stuff. But uh, there was a whole different crowd of people. It seemed like uh, Brian Shirley—he was at all of them. Uh, I mean, Weaver Jeep, Jeep was—you know—he was your contender every night. You know? Yeah, he was. Yeah, good uh, it's a good thing Jeep ain't here because he would be the, yeah. the dome favorite. You That's know, this is said, right yeah. here in his neck of the woods. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's neat that everybody kind of goes in and out, but um, there's always a, there's a, some pretty cool people that replace everybody when they do give right, up. You know?
0: right, and right. then you and Moyer, we always talk about this little rivalry on the Summer National. He's still ahead of you somehow. He's still racing, and <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. only a few handful of races away from you know passing him. But yeah. you just basically, you know, you've raced with him your entire career pretty much. I don't know. I kind of call you guys like stepfather, stepson, because yeah. you, you mentioned Shane and Babb. You're always going to mention Billy Moyer.
3: Exactly. You know, I mean that's that is true. I owe a lot to the Moyers. I um, you know when I when I was racing you know I was racing right around the house and uh, those guys called me up that winter and that that was a big step in my career. is able to go out and race the national scene is because of those guys. You know Bill Senior had all the equipment there and Billy said, listen, my dad's got everything. If if you can put it together, piece it together, uh, you can go race it. You know you got to you got to generate enough money with it to keep it going. We're not going to just feed it, and uh, so uh, that first year, a good friend of mine, Chad Cohn, me and him, put it all together and built a couple new Rayburns, and we went to speed weeks and started racing. That's how the Moyer deal got going, and it lasted seven years. I, I you know heck, we might have still been there. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, it was a really good deal. I do owe a lot to Billy. He taught me a lot, and then also. I learned how he raised. You know, I thought, man, this guy's way out here. He's got some trick stuff or whatever. But once I figured him out and and learned that he does not have anything more trick than I had, you know, he's just a smarter dude and cool on a stool. So I figured, hell, I can do the same thing he can. You know, right,
2: right. Do so you, do you still apply that today? Like, I do. I mean, I yeah. do because, like, I, I tell you that. I mean, everyone's, in a, everyone's in a rocker right now. They're like, you know, what, what are we on? You know, and you're like, standard. Yeah. And when yeah. you say the word standard, like, you, I mean, you'd think you cut this guy's hand off. They get yeah. so mad at you. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know nothing more than the next guy, but exactly. like, you got to learn how to race. And I feel like being around you and Billy and people like yeah. that, that's kind of something I picked up on. Like, I watch you show up to Summer Nationals race about four o'clock, Mason buffs attire. Yeah. You're in there on that stool looking at the spring smasher. Yeah. And then you get it. I'm like, has he worked on his car? I mean, you yeah. hasn't changed. Nothing, you know what yeah, I mean? And exactly. It's,
3: I, I tell everybody the same thing. I mean, it does give you confidence when you can hang close to a guy and figure out that, hey man, he's just he's just done his homework a little bit. He don't really have nothing trick, but he's you got a good rock solid foundation program, and you go out and race. Um, same way when I you know Scott helped, I drove Scott's car this year. I mean that guy, he's I mean he's just he's got it in his head. I yeah. mean he knows he's got the confidence. You know he doesn't have anything trick. He's just got a good old race car, and he's fast. So, I mean, that makes you feel like, hell, I can go back and do the same thing. And I encourage all these guys. I try to get my buddies started in late model racing. I'm like, listen, you know, you don't need the hauler. Hell, all you need is your race car. You know, get it here with a pickup truck. Get out there on the track and and get digging, you know. Right, right. So, this racing really is neat. There should be more people doing it.
0: Do you think it's unfair to say about people giving Billy Moyer crap because he's still racing at 62 and ain't as good as he once was because I feel like I think it's a little people think it's a little bit tarnished because he's still racing but I think he still has got it but you being on the road with him just talk about his career and you know like he is obviously one of the best ever to do it.
3: Oh absolutely you know um, he's hard working I mean it's seven days a week year round he he just loves this racing you know he works on it or thinking about it or he's working on his bus to prepare to go down the road or he's doing something I mean you can't You can't uh, take anything away from him right now. I mean, his age. The guy's in great health, and he's sharp. Hell, you know, he's. I mean, he's still good. He's racing really good, I think. And uh, I mean, he's building building new race cars. And he says he's right tired, but uh, you know, I'm gonna call us bluff. I mean, he's he's not building new race cars because he's gonna retire. He's gonna race. He came to Fairbury there at the end of the year and he about kicked
0: our butts. That's know? right. Yeah, that's right. Okay, we're going to go down memory lane here. We'll have to ask you a few questions. We got to, you were on our way up here walking up. We're at the top level here at the dome, and you have to talk about. Getting into Virgil's car—I don't even know what year this was—but yeah. Todd Turner always has a great story about this. So, Summer Nationals—a Herald Review 100, correct?
3: Yeah, I believe it was a '97. I think is what it was. I was
2: born in '97. Just to clear that up. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. that was like a good yeah. year. 22 then. years ago, maybe yeah. 23. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a while back.
3: So
0: it was a wild night there. in making, just take us through that day.
3: It was a Herald Review 100, and um, I, you know, I, I actually started the whole night in my own car. I had a GRT car that I bought out of the weeds from Joe Garrison at the time, and. Had a running engine in it and uh, just it had everything that I could piece together there, you know, in my backyard and run. But we were on the front row outside of the Herald View 100. And they threw the green, and uh, as soon as I stood on it, went down the straightaway, it backfired, cropped, you know, popped and bang. And I think I blew the engine up, whatever. But there's a big pile up, so they didn't start to race. So I, I wheeled to the infield, and Virgil Bilberry, he he's a local racer, and he made the race. He was on the back somehow, and he just he whipped in the infield. Pointed at me, he's like, get in this thing. I'm like, what are you talking about, you know? So, he, he's, he, he was a big guy anyhow. You know, he's about 250, 275, and he jumped out. I'm about 150 at the time. So, I jumped in that thing. I don't even know if I got the seat belts hooked up, and they were going green. So, I whipped out on the racetrack, took off, and, I mean, this thing was out of control. It was a, it was a, it was a bullet car, four bar, but it was a pair of 500s, pair of 200s on the back. And right. I think he, we were on alcohol. And uh, he had, I didn't even know what tires he had on it. I didn't know if I should take care of my tires or haul ass or what what I should do. But I I tried to go to the top, and um, I about wiped it out right off the bat, you know. So I said, oh, I told myself, it better slow down, just go around the bottom here and see what happens. So I started making a little momentum running around the bottom and started picking them off a little bit at a time. And uh, I knew when I went by Billy Drake and Bill Fry, I'm like, holy heck, I might have a chance to win this damn thing, you know. (laughs) About lap seventy-five, I think Weaver was leading it. Oh my! God. Uh, Why would you
0: have to do this <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on. On. I thought, More you know, Weaver.
3: I I bet uh, I bet I could probably catch this Weaver. So yeah, you know, I don't know how it all together it it came together, but uh, we got we won the race. It was unbelievable, but we didn't we didn't pass the skills. Uh, like I said, he was on the it was the engine was running on alcohol, so we burned a lot of fuel, and he was obviously a lot bigger than I was. Oh. So, but, anyway, it doesn't matter. We still
2: won the race. So, what about – I mean, Scott always catches a lot of heat for the scale incidents and stuff. Like, that was one. But you had – I mean, what others – obviously, the biggest scale one is the World 100. and You still got – they gave you the trophy in the Don't track, even give right?
0: me – Shannon, that was the first time I ever caught at a racetrack because I'm – I would, too. Yeah, yeah, I was I, oh, yeah. 14 years old. Yeah. Illinois finally wins a big race at Eldora yeah. because, yeah. no doubt, Illinois is a late model state, and they had the most oh, fans yeah, that no go to the race. But it. that night, I mean, for you, how just – crushing was i know you had no control because you had a motor change but that just that that hurt my heart and i hurt a lot of people's oh, heart yeah. that night
3: it, it's it was a it was a really i don't know it was crazy it wasn't really that emotional for me till i left you know i uh i was on a cloud nine i won the race you right know? i you know we had a great racetrack a good race car um i won my heat i uh, had to change engines after the heat race and barely got it done so i didn't have time to really think about anything but we didn't. We didn't make no mistakes. I mean, we didn't leave no lead off. We filled her up. We. I. I mean, I was hundred percent. I was gonna be on the money, but um, the engine was a little bit lighter than what the other engine was, and that's where the difference come from. But and it rubbered up. Right. It rubbered up. So and We, and we tires, wore some tires more off. Fuel. Yeah. And uh, but anyhow, man, we was. Um, I can still see the scales of twenty one or yeah twenty twenty two ninety one, and I'm like, oh my god, I couldn't believe it, but.
2: Did you do a shimmy a shake oh, I like did, agree I like telling your crew like, like oh, yeah. shit in the deck do I,
3: something I, I mean? yeah I did everything Scott would do I shook the car yeah. screamed yelled did yeah. everything you know, but it wasn't going to pass but um, I don't know it, it Well
0: I think wasn't it the dream was like the Matt Miller year, right? Yeah, right Matt. before that, so they then they made the yeah. fence for the next one, so you couldn't have like yeah. this secret crew guy yeah, coming in, up in and June, hating you or something, right? In June, yeah,
3: Matt Miller won it, and he was light, Ale- but yeah. yeah. They paid him for that, you know.
2: Yeah, but so but so he, same thing. Yeah, so same he was thing.
0: allegedly light, and but that's when the time when there was no fence, so crew so, guys were coming up there. So but the then guy they was made like the,
2: leaning on the deck and shit. Uh, I I I mean, d- but they, they were trying everything allegedly, yeah.
0: But then that they made the fence there, and that's where you see the famous fence, and no one could get there. It's just Sam and you know the.
3: So anyhow, yeah, I mean, you know, it's the old wait rule. You know, it, it's a tough one. You know, if every racetrack you went to, they had a, a real nice set of scales.
2: And it's it, easy to keep it, – it, it'd be easier it, to keep up with. It'd be
3: easier to keep up with. It. But we go through so much shady stuff like oh, here. Yeah. Hell, I mean, half the time you're not even on the scale. But uh, right. it's a big transition between $30,000 or $40,000 and, you know, nine pounds. I mean, damn, a bag of apples weighs nine pounds. You know, right, that, right, make, that right. don't make much difference. Right.
0: Yeah, so we're going to keep going through down memory lane because the next year, 06, is arguably one of your better years too. Just – Dirt Track World yep. Championship at Chillicothe. You and Scott Bloomquist. Yep. You held them off for thirty laps, and yeah. that's probably one of your biggest wins of your careers.
3: Yeah, it was. That was that was cool. Same thing. We were uh, we actually blew an engine that day. Um, changed engines. Did a bunch of different stuff. Um, but it had a real good race car. I uh, everybody was out there on open tires, thirteen twenty fives, fourteen twenty fives. Whatever, yeah. I was out there on refried forties, man. I, <laughs> re-fried didn't even, yeah, I didn't even, I didn't have time to <laughs> to do tires. I got the motor in the car. Yeah. I went up there. and I was re-siping the forties that I had, buffed them, babies, throwed them on, and, and took off and and we won the race but that was that was sweet man 50 grand you that goes a long ways
0: do you miss those days where you could kind of do that just throw stuff I on because I mean, now it's just all about technology yeah, back I'm in just, the day it was know, all about racing
3: i really it is that is the disappointing part of why i don't do as much traveling is because you know i used to win a lot of races by throwing different tires on what the rest of them had on you know i mean hell if we are all out there on the same damn tire I mean, we might as well just be dating the same girl. I mean, right. you you can't do nothing. <laughs> right. I mean, it, yeah. It, this. I mean, who's calling these shots? The the photographer that's running the the show now. You know, I I think
2: that sucks. Right. So you like all the you like the the different. Uh, what's I, your, I like what's the, the variables. Yeah, you like I like to some be able variables. To try yeah. I mean,
3: th- we need to have a, a soft, a medium, and a hard tire roll, Right. You to know? make it interesting. Every to night. make it interesting. You know, like tonight, if we all roll out there on the same stuff. There's not no comers and goers. Right, right but because you all have to set the same pace. Yeah, you can't there, have a guy
2: that drags, a guy that charges. Exactly. Like that. Yeah,
3: you you have to have some comers and goers. And, and uh, you know, in, in the years growing up, they did clean the tire rule up. There used to be a big mess. You know, there was way too many variables. But now, if you just had a soft, a medium, and hard, like the 20, 30, 40.
0: And uh, I always, I, me and Riggs, we talk about that all the time. I think man, that's the best rule, and that should be universal. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it should be universal.
3: And and that way, if a guy wants to run the hub and 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 try to gamble on four twenties, yeah, you can do it. If a guy wants to put on his thirty forties and roll the center like the Billy Moyer line, he might win the last fifteen laps. He might come up through there, you know. Right, so,
0: right, right.
3: So. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, you don't want to get me started on that. I've, <laughs> but i but I definitely ain't going to donate my whole life to one series if we're all going to have to run the same tire.
0: Okay, yeah. Summer Nationals. Do you think a driver? starting out least season around the Summer Nationals once? Because you have to look at the list of drivers that have won it. Shannon Babb, Scott Blomquist, Billy Moyer, Don O'Neill, all these guys have ran that series, and I feel like they all say it made them a better driver, especially when they're younger in their career.
3: Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, one thing nice about it is you're hitting different racetracks night after night after night. You don't get a chance to go home and, and, and uh, get distracted, you know, and run off and do something different. You, you actually you stay on top of your your mind stays on track of what you're actually doing, so your learning curve is sped up. You put a year's worth of racing in 30 days.
2: Right. I believe that. That's why I'm telling you. I want to race as much as possible now because, yeah. like, I'm telling you, if I race, if I don't race for two weeks, I show up, I feel like you forgot everything. Yeah. About like heat. Yeah. The end of the heat race. I'm like, what have you been doing all day? You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? I in the Feature. You're yeah. like shit. I gotta. I mean, I gotta yeah. make up this hole I've dug. We're like exactly. You race every day. About come June, July, you're like sharp. Uh, yeah. You know yeah, what I yeah, mean? You, you, don't feel rea-
3: like- you don't realize what you forgot when you when you sit on the right. couch, right? And
0: right, you're, right, You're Not right. racing. Yeah. Do you laugh when you see like an outsider? saying, oh, I'm going to run the summer nationals, like, oh. and they're off after two weeks. You're like, Come, guys, I love we'll it. just see after two weeks if you're going to be am. like. I've, Walker I've, Arthur last year is a perfect example. I'm going to run the whole thing, yeah. rain outs and all that. Like you, It takes – it's a grind.
3: It, it definitely is. A, you know, everybody comes in there, looks like they're a pumped up bull ready to fight, but it's no sprint. I mean, it's a marathon. You have to go in there slow and steady and just pace yourself, you know, and if you're going to make it to the end.
2: Yeah, I like coming in. I'm always like a second weeker in the past three or four years because I've yeah. been – and I always come in and like I'll see this guy and he's just like – you can tell if it's been a good week. Like the two years ago when he won those – four, you won at Joliet. Yeah. Uh, you and Billy had that race at uh, Sycamore. Yeah. Like when I showed up to uh, – what's the big banked one? Spoon River. Spoon River, I always yeah. show about yeah. Spoon. Yeah. I saw he's just pumped up. <laughs> he won happy. that night too, I think. Head spoon, he, yeah, yeah. He
3: was, and yeah. I mean, and squirrel had a hell of a race, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, well, yeah, turbo always rolls in at Terre Haute, see, he yeah, I, I, I do. I try, he, to knows, he knows where these cushions are at, that's so right. he rolls in there,
0: yeah, that's right, <laughs> 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 yeah. But let's be honest, so everybody hates Terre Haute, but
2: the last two oh, or three years awesome. has been it's good, been awesome. yeah. we good races there, it's man, been a good race shot. That
0: one you should have won, didn't you Or who
2: won? You won, not who won first time, right? Not at Terre Haute, that was about. that's bad. He told me after qualifying first year I went there, he said, I think that's I Won the first year. Yeah, I've, run, first I've year. won, run second, run second. He ran second to yeah. him the last time. Every you were there. time he beat <laughs> But like, he came in after qualifying, he said, There's no way anybody went faster than that. And he looks up, we were talking about it, and I beat him by like this much. He said, I can't drive no harder. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, what else do I do here? We both got the spoilers ripped off. I yeah. rolled out last year, and I didn't even have a cell panel or a spoiler side. Like, I was like, You know what? I'm going to rip that off. I have to buy a new one. I'll just take it off now. Exactly. And I started the feature. <laughs> and I, I learned that from him because like at Belle Claire, he'll roll out with no breakaway, no yeah. nothing. Yeah, he just go out there. Might as well leave it
3: off. It's a it's a one less <laughs> yellow flag. That's right. What is
0: your top three tracks on the tour?
2: I You know,
3: I have a lot of favorite ones. You know, I, I do. Look, I like Spoon River. I like. Hop Stop yeah. there's, a, there's a ton of them I like I really do. I always love Farmer City Give us
2: the biggest one And the smallest one Two uh, favorites uh, Give us the biggest Your favorite bigger track Yeah it Doesn't have to be biggest But bigger and then smaller I,
3: I'm going to say my middle bit You know the one I really like Definitely Farmer City That's okay. always my pick um, The littlest It's got to be Macon Not and, Belclair uh, Yeah I'll put Bel- uh, Macon Above, above Belclair. Bel- Belclair Okay yeah, but, um, Tarot's definitely fun Every now and then Fayette um, County it, It's usually Fayette County's in there um,
0: well, half, the, half, the, yeah, fa- half the fans are family there. Yeah, fa- right. well, I I can
3: remember sitting in li- in the living room with Rayburn. We was looking at the summer national schedule, and I was going through them. We're like, uh, yeah, I like that track. I like that. Oh, yeah, I like that. Hell, there's not a track on there I don't like. Right, you know, so right. They're all co- they're all good race tracks
0: you, you think racing those tracks made you better when you went out nationally, or do you think since most of those tracks are bigger, that it kind of was a harder adjustment for you?
3: Uh. You know, actually, really on the summer nationals, there really is no big, big, big tracks, yeah. really. But um, you know, the half miles like Burkhoffer grew up on, definitely. Yeah. You know, that's a whole different. It's, just a, it's different a whole type different racing, animal. Yeah, yeah totally different type is. of racing. You uh, you got to be a lot freer, and, and uh, just a whole different different type of racing. But yeah, this just like I said, the good old quarter miles slinger in there and stand on it. That's that's right up my alley.
2: All right, last thing I'm gonna hit on here my mom is a huge animal lover okay she's got 30 <laughs> longhorn cows they're all pets yeah. she just bought two donkeys she sent me a picture yesterday oh, awesome. Zoe yeah. Zoe yeah. and Dolly or something okay but everyone uh, kind of knows it or if they don't know you're you're kind of a zoo guy as yeah. well so like yeah. hit on some of your animals right now at the at the herb family ranch we've got Thirty longhorns and two donkeys, two wiener dogs and a blue healer. Yeah. And some ducks. Daffy yeah. and Daffy and there's another one. They got yeah. two ducks too. So what do you got going on at your zoo? Uh, well
3: my dogs, I got I got a bloodhound named Moose. He's about a year old. And then Peanut, my little beagle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I got a horse, Rocky, and uh Paco is my donkey. Okay. Got three pigs, Wilbur <laughs> Wiley and Pearl, and then uh, I got a twenty-some ducks and a goose named Kate, but yeah, Emily and uh, my two girls—they're—they're they're at home. They're—they're they're wanting to shoot down here probably tomorrow or whatever. But yeah, we got a lot of animals to keep under control. But yeah, I've—we've had me and Emily—we're—we're we're bad for each other. We can't tell each other no when it comes to the animals. So, but we—we we definitely with these girls, the little family we started. Now we kind of cut back. At one time we had some cows and little miniature cows, but oh, okay. uh, it yeah, was yeah. a blast. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we came home from uh, came home from Rayburns. We over there racing somewhere, and Rayburn had a bunch of chickens and roosters and stuff. He's like, I'm like, man, I when I leave here, I want to take one of your roosters. I want to have one of your roosters at my house, you know. So we load him up in a wheeled wheel box and brought, put him in the truck and brought him home, you
0: know. <laughs> so, yeah. so we
3: got some of Rayburn's roosters running around there right now, too. Hell,
0: yeah. Oh, my goodness. That just sounds That's like scary. it's chaos. Are they all free-ranging? They're just all
2: walking oh, around? Yeah. here. Hell, I don't believe in pinning anybody up. Yeah. That's Look, wild. if you feed them, they're not going anywhere. I tried to tell my mom that. She's worried these cows are going. These cows get fed twice a day. <laughs> they eat, like, a whole bag of these range cubes, which is, like, a week's worth. They get a whole bag every day. Like, they're the most – I ask her every time I've been home, I'm like, are they pregnant? She's like, no, no, they're not pregnant. They shouldn't be. I don't <laughs> yeah, think so. Yeah. They're just eating good. Yeah, so. they're just eating good,
0: yeah. Well, the last thing is, so we always do this. We're trying to make Tyler Erb a better driver for 2020, so we asked Mark Richards and Logan Roberts and all them, just rate his driving ability – you're face-to-face face with him. You're kind of yeah. like his teacher, yeah. and he's a student. Yeah. So you rate him right now. Yeah. Talk about what you see in his driving ability, maybe what yeah. he needs to improve on or what he's good at.
3: Well, I, I tell you what, I've I watched him a lot the last couple of years. And uh, what was it? The end of 18, I mean, he was trucking at the World 100. I mean, I was watching oh, yeah, that whole yeah. deal. But yeah. he's definitely – I like. he drives a lot like me. I think he can be out of control, but he's in control. He runs hard, but he, he's in control. And uh, – I think you've got to be able to do that. The guys that that can't just pull something out of the hat, they're usually fifth placers. I mean, I think Tyler he can pull stuff out of the hat. I mean, you never want to count him out. So I I'm impressed with him. I think that uh, uh, it's a good thing he ain't here racing. I definitely have to be the one I have to worry about.
2: I know. I'm I'm telling you, I want to come so bad. Maybe maybe if Bab wins, you know what I mean, I pick him. We put a side bet. Maybe he'll let me race his other <laughs> car next year or something. Yeah. <laughs> How's that feel though? Like your childhood hero is giving you the props. Hey, it is. I mean, I pumped him up for 22 years. It yeah. feels good to get a little bit of love oh, in return, yeah, you know yeah, what
0: yeah. Mean? I mean? Yeah. who's a bigger who's a bigger uh, fan though, Turbo or my boy Parrish from Fairbury? Uh, I mean, that's, that's close. That's pretty, is pretty
3: close. Parrish is a big bad yeah, fan. Yeah, Parrish <laughs> has been around for a long time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. He said he ordered the new bab swag that he got delivered in the mail, so he's re- he's wrapped.
3: Yeah, I, I actually seen that out. We were in the kitchen. <laughs> Emily's like, "You ain't gonna believe who just ordered a sweatshirt from you." And I said, hey, "She told me it was." I'm like, ah, that's, "That's cool. I'd to slip a Bud Light in there for him or something."
0: <laughs> Well, Shannon, you know you're a busy man today, uh, the Gateway Dirt Nationals. You're starting the front row. Uh, good luck here at the Dirt Nationals and good luck in 2020. And uh, I'm glad you got to fulfill his childhood dream of, you know, getting interviewed by Tyler Herb. Hey,
3: man, it, it, it's neat. It's, uh, it's pretty special to have you guys up here and, and uh, to be able to do this. It's uh, pretty, quite an honor.
2: Boom.
0: Man, how was it, Turbo, interviewing your childhood hero, shannon babb Bab's the
1: man i'm telling you i've always been a Bab fan i'll say it again i love him he's just uh he is when babb's on the racetrack people were watching people are excited and you know there's not a lot of people i think that would say oh man i hate watching that shannon babb race whether they're fans of him or not he's just such an exciting driver he makes good decisions um he drives like he's 18 years old but he's got the you know he's kind of got the the mentality of a old veteran because he is at this point, he's been racing longer than I've been alive. So um, that was cool to catch up with him at the dome after he set quick time and, you know, put on a show there. He got crashed early in the feature Saturday, but um, Bab is still the man and he will always be, one of my favorite race car drivers ever
0: and we have the biggest competition to date, i think of all of 2020 who's a bigger bad fan you or Parrish? we asked we put him on the spot and he kind of he kind of gave the politician
1: answer he did he did i'm telling you bab's got it figured out he's got the veteran mentality but he's still <laughs> got the youngest spit and fire him so he's uh i don't know i don't know me and Parrish will have to like we'll have to debate about it at, at pdc or something but i definitely uh i've been a diehard bad fan since i was since i was knee high to a grasshopper so i really don't know
0: yeah and it was just cool because we got to sit down with him up in the very top of the you know press room at the dome and we got him going to like stories of his whole racing career just kind of like off the cuff questions that we got to ask him it was pretty cool He was a good storyteller for sure yeah bab
1: definitely a good storyteller and he's a you know he's got so much personality some people kind of think he's goofy and stuff just the way he laughs he's real giggly but (laughs) he's a you know he's very into it. He's spent a lot of time around this and he's uh you know, he knows all the nooks and crannies and the stories of hanging out with Mark and Scott and you know, he's kind of a guy that's been on both sides. He's hung out with Mark a lot, he's hung out with Scott a lot, uh Billy, you know, he's I guess I'm jealous of him because he's got to hang out with like the three pioneers of racing, you know, as a young kid. He he got to hang out with them when they were still, you know, on the grind coming who they are today. And now I, you know, when I see him and I'm around him it's a little bit different cuz they're already established. They've you know, they've lived and walked their life and kind of, I'm not saying they're on the downside of what they're doing, but Bab got to see these guys, you know, climb, get to their prime, be see, see in it. And, uh, you know, he just got to live and be a part of racing in a great, great time. Segment
0: time again. It's Ask Jeeves. And we talked about it yesterday when we were texting. I'm like, Turbo, what do you want to do here? And he said, let's search Modoc Raceway and try to get some stats on it. As you know, Modoc will be having a. Driving extreme race in February, the end of February in South Carolina. So I, you know, search asked Jeeves, where is Modoc Raceway? And it's in Modoc, South Carolina, red clay surface, four tenths mile. And I feel like it's a super, you know, pretty fast raceway. Turbo, have you ever raced there?
1: Never been to Modoc. The only thing I know about Modoc Speedway is a Parker wins like every crate race they have there. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure pretend that's like his home track, if I'm not mistaken. Like, that's one of his, like, mainstays i know he's from georgia but it's like right across the he lives right on the georgia south carolina border and i'm pretty sure that's brandon overton's home track but i just i was scrolling through the master schedule and i was like man it's so weird like like who who's racing february 20th you know what i mean like why is anybody racing well then the extreme series i'm pretty sure it's their finale isn't it the man's gonna be the champion of it or whatever yep
0: it is but
1: but i was just like kind of shocked like we're one week removed from speed weeks and we're racing an extreme race at Modoc. Like we're really not too far from Florida, Georgia. So, you know, if you were a die, die hard racer and didn't want to go back to the snow, I guess you could hang in one more week and go to Modoc for the finale for the extreme series. But yeah, I've never, I've seen a lot of videos of it. I know they do a lot of crate racing and things like that. And, uh, I've heard some stories about like different tires you can run there. Ashton Winger told me a story one night about how you're supposed to run 21s or you can run 1300s. And like that's a place where if you don't know the tires, like if I were to just show up there and I read the tire rule, I'd probably get laughed because I didn't have the right tires or, you know, there's guys on prep and there's just a lot of, there's a lot of talk about MODOC, but like I'm telling you, I've never seen it. I couldn't tell you what it looks like. I'll have to watch the video from this weekend, I guess, to kind of get up to date with it.
0: This is a funny thing. I go to their website and it has divisions, and this is classic (laughs) Southeast or Southern Racing super late models. 604 crate late models, 602 crate late models. What's up with all these late model divisions in the Southeast? It's kind of ridiculous, I think.
1: Man, I'm telling you, I've grown up not in South Carolina, Georgia, but in the South. And it's just always been a thing where there's five classes of late models, five classes of street stock one class of modified and then they'll have sprint cars or midgets or some sort of go-kart class that races on a big track and the classes in the southeast like i don't know if anyone and well, they
0: all qualify turbo they all they
1: qualify. qualify that's the thing like hot carl said it best we need four classes of race and we need a small class a medium a large or you know basically you need a an a mod a b mod a sprint car and a late model and if you can't afford one of those you need to sit in the grandstand. like <laughs> it's uh it's true man you get so many different classes like we've changed the motors from 602 to 604 which you know they've got 525 spec steel head. there's all these different classes and it's i mean it's all fine and dandy but realistically the guy that races those classes they all they, you know they've raced four or five of them like if we could just all get on to where you either got a 602 a 604 or a super late model i mean there's I don't think you need, I don't think you need respect and all this other stuff, you know, but I, I'm not here to debate rules. I don't really know because I don't, I don't want to be a part of it. I hate any place that you're limited and they make all these rules. I'm not a big rule guy. The more rules we make, the more that you just cheat and try to get around the rules.
0: That never happens down there.
1: Ever. Never. (laughs) I would doubt that any guy on a 602 race at Modoc has prep tires or had a 604 that resealed and things like that. So it's just a, I don't know, but I I do think that sitting there in the grandstands and you can watch a 602 race or a six I mean, I've watched a lot of racing, you know, at East Alabama or places like that, and I'm watching the 602 race, and the guy that's leading, he sounds like he's got a 454 big block, and the rest of the guy's got little turd, you know, Caprice motors, and he wins by half the track, and then you can just tell, like, man, that guy was cheating, or they're going to protest him. You know, it's it's comical to watch if you do kind of have a little bit of insight on him you know the way racing works that you can just see that all these different classes that they've made it's like that guy's cheating or he's got something that they don't have you know when you watch a super late model race and the guy wins by like 10 seconds but he's the only guy on the cushion you're like well hey obviously he's got something figured out he's a little bit better because there's no rules you know but when you get in a, a 604 race and you know it's latched down around the bottom and one guy can run up against the cushion where nobody else can because they don't have enough motor you're like oh, right Print. maybe there's something fishy there but who knows
0: also march 14th the 12th annual modoc 100 5,000 a win maybe we can send you there turbo for dirt on dirt you can do interviews
1: maybe i might i don't know i might march 14th no march 14th i'll be at the in at the spring 50 at Florence. that's the first race there march 14th
0: sure you're you're more up to the schedule than i am so because you're always on the master schedule as you call it
1: <laughs> I, master schedule I, it is i'm telling you i'm I'm a dirt on dirt on a sewer. I don't have, I might as well not even have anything else, but dirt on dirt. That's really all I look at. That's my, well, you have to be uh, now
0: because you're an official employee. You know, you work for us basically with this podcast. That,
1: that is true. I am an official employee of dirt on dirt, I guess, kinda, sorta. I don't know. (laughs) Hopefully I don't get 1099, but, (laughs) I, guess. but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it was a good, uh, good sped weeks. Nice to talk to Bab. Um, Really, just kind of everybody, I think everybody's excited to stay at home. For me, this was the first time I've been home since December 22nd. Two days ago, was the first time I got to sleep in my own bed, so that was pretty, it was honestly pretty nice. I slept, slept, and slept, and I woke up, and I was like, shit, this is nice. Like, I've been sleeping in the rigs and hotels and things like that, and uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world, but uh, there's definitely no place like home, and I think kind of everybody that went to Speed weeks in Arizona is feeling that, too. They're happy to be at home and, you know, just get reacquainted with every day routine in mind.
0: last thing is put your analyst hat on right now your 2020 season preview what do you think is going to happen during the lucas oil series and you know do you have a shot to win this thing
1: um i think the lucas oil series will be closer than it's ever been just because it's, uh you know the year that josh mccready and scott were all top three or whatever and it was come down to Portland, i really think it'll be that close because it's, it's so easy to get hot and then get cold or have bad luck or something crazy happening you know, right now the way they did the format in Florida, we're all within a hundred points. I think like the top ten or something. It's crazy how close it is. So it's uh it's really just gonna come down to who has the best team, who makes the best decisions. Um, you know, a guy like when Mike Marler won the World Outlaw Points, he didn't win the most races, he didn't do any of that, but his worst nights were, you know, six, seventh and eight. And he just he had the most consistent year. He might not have had the fastest car, but he had the right mindset and he had it figured out on how to win the points and Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you if I'm not telling you that's not what I'm trying to figure out. You know, I don't... Obviously, you want to win the most races and things like that, and a lot of times that'll get you, you know, get you where you need to be, but if you can just be the most consistent car, you'll win. So I will say the top five in points, I think, will be closer than they've ever been. That's my one prediction. Um, Tim McCready... You're going to win it, Turbo. I'm
0: calling it. Let's go. Let's party at Portsmouth.
1: that's, That's what I'm... Every ounce of me is amped up and aimed to win the points deal but you know you can't count your chickens before they patch so I will say I think McCready's going to win a lot of races JD will win his fair share um, Devin Moran will be more of a sleeper than he was last year he had a lot of expectations and I know Devin well enough that when he's got to work on his own car and be there every day at the shop and you know it, he, he just it's a different type of investment when you're there and it's you know you don't have any crew or, you know, huge, huge resources behind you. So Devin will have a better year than he had without a doubt. And, uh, I think, uh, I think it'll be one of the best points chases you ever see. That's truly what I think. I think the lead will get swapped back and forth. Things will get crazy. And, uh, you know, it might be, might be the best points chase ever.
0: Yeah. i am looking at the outlaw point series. I'll give you my, uh, (laughs) analyst right here. Analysis Shepard's going to win by a million. I mean, he's already up 32 points. I don't think Barring that he has, like, four or five bad nights, I don't think anybody's catching him. But I see right here my boy Rick Eckert, six in points. Do you think he's going to run the series, or do you think he's not?
1: I don't know, man. I don't know. I I honestly don't know. I haven't spoken to him about it that much. I didn't think he was, but I guess if uh, it would work to where he could just race his car at the races that he does not race Alan Murray's. So maybe Eckert could do, like, one of the split championships where, as a team owner, Rick Eckert or whoever, you know, the – Rick Eckert, the driver, could finish higher than the team owner could. Isn't that a possibility? I think that the, could be,
0: because he's 6 right now and he's tied with, he's up 10 points on Chase, and he's only 12 behind Scott. I don't think he'll be able to catch Madden Weiss and Lane again, but a top 5 run the outlaws, you know, after taking a year off, that could be a good possibility. Come on, Eckert, run it again.
1: Eckert in for a top 5. Eckert will top 5 of them. To, Eckert will top seven, eight, nine, twelve 8, them to death enough that he will <laughs> run top 5 and out. He's just got the knack to the guy doesn't finish outside the top five and out all points. He's got that figured out.
0: Yeah, and last thing, bold predictions. My bold prediction is Shane and Babb will win a crown jewel this year. I don't know where. More likely, Fairbury is his only shot, but he's going to win one this year.
1: I would say Fairberry. I don't know. He does good at Mansfield, so maybe he'll do good at Portsmouth. But that is a. I mean, he could. That's the thing with the crown jewel. I think anybody could win a crown jewel. I mean, I'm going to. Okay, my bold prediction is someone that's never won a crown jewel win one this year. Hopefully myself. But <laughs> I just I just think that there's enough good. I mean, like Mason Ziegler or a guy like that can come in. If you look, Ziegler has led and done good at a lot of crown jewels. He's just you – it know, hasn't been able to get the job done. But I will say that somebody that's never won a crown jewel is going to win one this year. Hopefully the 50000 at Fairbury and the green one car. That's my prediction.
0: If you won that, all the Fairbury shenanigans would be kind of – It'd be pretty wild seeing they all love you. You're on their golf team with them. So a Prairie Dirt Classic, I would be very happy for you if you won that one.
1: I'm pumped. I'm going to finish. I've never finished a feature at Fairbury, and I'm going to this year, and hopefully with a, with a big bang.
0: Hell yeah. Well, I think that's it, Turbo, for our podcast. I think it's our fourth one. I think we're getting better and better. And uh, Shane and Bab was great. Sped Weeks 2020 is in the books. Good night, everybody.
1: See ya.